The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Uh, Welcome home from conference. If, like me, you're just getting back from Las Vegas from uh, just a really awesome week. I I think it was awesome. If you had to stay home, uh, hopefully you uh, didn't hate my my episode that I threw up earlier in the week. I just kind of put it together for you. But man, I was really productive during the week. I taught I taught four classes. I went to several meetings, uh, and I somehow recorded ten full episodes of the podcast for everybody. So just a couple of the names I got. I got uh, Bronislav, who was one of the Aldi scholars, uh, came over from Slovakia. I got one with Darren Walters, longtime volunteer. Gus Diamond, that's going to be this week. It's going to be a great talk. Uh, Jacob Spute, Jason King, Jess Rose from Australia, Laura Jane, Lola Slider from Scotland. I got John Joyce and Caitlin Raisin from Scarab Body Arts together, kind of talking about their journey uh, with uh, Caitlin's apprenticeship, and that was a really awesome conversation. And I got a conversation with two of the board members from the VPP, that's the the German piercing organization, uh, Jane and uh, Lorea. So I think I'm going to have some really good content for you over the next, like, months, basically, at this point. So... I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. survived the weekend. I, I got everything I wanted done. Uh, I don't even really know where to start. We're like recapping conference. I'm probably going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about little bits of it, but I think it was really good. I think the new, the new hotel was a big hit. Uh, the bar was kind of mixed and I don't mean the bar is in the place to get alcohol. I mean like the central hub for people to just hang out and socialize after the classes are done. I, I was a big fan of the splash bar days back when we were at the, uh, the Riviera Bally's was was pretty damn good. They had a lot of lobby space and you could just kind of hang out. This year, the Heart Bar was kind of like a nightclub, really. So there were some cool couches. It was a lot more comfortable to sit down, but it was really loud. You had to basically like scream talk if you wanted to, to chat up somebody. So um, really good week, though. I still think it was just so fun. The closing party just killed it way better than the, the banquets, you know, less less talking and more dancing, which just puts a smile on anybody's face. Uh, it was my time to finish up the board. Uh, as I said, kind of going into it, it was a, an outgoing thing for me. So kind of bittersweet there, but I'm feeling really good about the future of the organization. I got some really sweet thank yous over the course of the week, and I got a couple of awards at the closing party. So big thank you to Kale Belford, uh, who, who gave me that really sweet uh, kind of trophy plaque sort of thing for starting the the mentor program. I never realized that it's been 10 years already. I, I ran the mentor program for maybe the first three years and then decided that I, I think somebody else could probably do it a little bit better. My thing isn't necessarily uh, doing the job and doing it perfectly forever. My thing is coming up with ideas and improvements that nobody's really done yet, and then I kind of hand them off to the people that would be really good at doing them. So the mentor program is definitely one of those examples. Kale does it so much better than I ever could have. She really just kills it, and uh, that got her a, a lot of profile and helped her kind of uh, get to where she she wanted to be, which is on the board of directors now. So huge Congratulations to everybody incoming. I feel very bad for the workload that you'll have to uh, to start taking on, but I'm sure that all of you are going to just like chew it up and spit out success. So really looking forward to, to seeing what you do. What were some of the other highlights for the week? I can't even really think of it. You know, I was just crazy busy. The loot box thing was super fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh, thanks to everyone who, who bought them. Sold out in 27 minutes. The Those, those things were gone. 50 of them were just gone. And uh, it was just, it was cool seeing the, the shirts popping up throughout the week. Thanks to everybody who also uh, grabbed and, and wore my Statum Cult shirts over the week too. That was really fun. Uh, teaching was, as always, a, a privilege and an honor. This year I did two sessions of safe practices in the piercing room uh, with Baron and Lola. I, I recorded a, an episode with Lola uh, after after one of our, uh, our final days, so you get to kind of hear about the process and how stressed out I, I make everybody when I teach with them. Uh, big, big thanks to Becky Dill. For, for really captaining that nipple class. Uh, I, I was not at the top of my game for preparing for it, but uh, luckily Becky was, 
and I think we we really killed it. Uh, it was a bit of a struggle getting the the presentation together, but when we actually got up there and uh, you turned on those microphones, we we really brought it, and I, th I think we did an awesome class. So thanks, Becky, for uh, for putting up with me and uh, helping me get through it. The lip class, uh, you know, we hit or miss on that one. I'd say if it was like a one to ten, I, I probably got maybe a, a good six, six and a half out of that one. I, I think I conveyed some good information, but my presentation had a couple little hiccups on the technical side, and that was 100% on me and not on AV, uh, just because I kind of insisted on using a little bit more of my own uh, technology and probably didn't really uh, help the, the scenario. So next year, I will definitely defer to Brian's expertise, Brian Moeller. I will just do whatever you tell me to do to, to get ready for my classes for next year. But I still think uh, overall great success for the week. Uh, the the board meetings went pretty smooth. Uh, you know the the Friday meeting I didn't have to go to because I was not on the board anymore. So it was really cool just being able to take some time for myself and socialize. And I didn't know what to do with myself, so I just recorded podcasts all day, which I thought was pretty awesome. I thought the scholars and the volunteers did such an amazing job. Uh, Caitlin McDermott and just. Everybody just nailed it again. Uh, so huge thanks to Marina, uh, to, to Dilla, to Danny, to Kendra, to everybody who was who was working behind the scenes. Huge thanks to the the AV department and uh, my my guest this week, Gus. Gus was really the the head honcho of AV for a long time, and now he's kind of like a supervisor for multiple things. So Brian Moeller, my buddy, you know, really killing it on AV. Shauna, really just making sure that everything works out and that people can can kind of bring their a a game. Uh, for my guest this week again, Gus Diamond, and for the people who haven't met Gus, uh, really an incredible person. We all we all owe Gus a, a big debt of uh, a big debt of thanks. But to the people who have met Gus, you know just like how sweet he is. He's there to to help. He's there to help every single person, and he has such a passion for it. And it's just really great to uh, to talk with him. Gus has been to every single APP conference, all twenty four of them so far. So right back from the beginning. Really an awesome perspective, an awesome history. We talk about how Gus first got into body piercing, how he found his love and passion um, as a, a Navy diver. And traditionally, the, the Navy divers would wear uh, body piercings to kind of... Uh, to, to symbolize certain things and that's how Gus got into it and then turned it into a career and and kind of carried on into this uh, this amazing community that we all have now so we, we we talk a lot about the behind the scenes conference uh, behind the scenes of conference and talk about all kinds of other stuff but towards the end of the conversation we really get into something special and I, I think that this is going to be a theme that you'll hear from from me especially now that I'm off the board but especially over these interviews that I recorded and that's really the concept of uh, minimum standards and best practices and where we should be as an industry and where should we be steering new body piercers and what kinds of guidelines should we be establishing and uh, Gus brings up a really good point that sometimes teaching to just the the best standards uh, you know if it's again a 1 through 10 and you're constantly teaching that level 10 10 10 there are going to be some piercers who just aren't going to be able to to do that and you don't want to push them away you don't want to push them out of the conversation or uh, keep their keep their mind closed or something so we talk about uh, you know where do you actually set minimum standards you can use that as your foundation and then you can add things on top of that there was another conversation that I had that I recorded thankfully and it's really just not talking about working unsafe I don't think anybody is going to argue for unsafe practices I think really is where is the line between safe and safer and when your line is safer and you're saying sterile gloves and, and no-touch techniques and all disposable single-use and all that stuff, sure, I, I will tell you that that is safer. But there is nothing wrong with safe. So if there are piercers out there piercing with non-sterile gloves, pre-packaged jewelry, uh, using different kinds of skin cleansers and, and aftercare and, and studio layouts, I'm not going to say that you're you're not working safe as long as you understand those concept of minimum standards and you either meet or you choose to exceed them. So that that's going to be something that I, I really want to drive home. Being off the board of directors, you know, I'm I'm on the outside looking in again, and I can certainly uh, share a voice, and I certainly have a significantly louder voice than than some piercers in the industry, uh, literally and figuratively. And I, I think that's kind of one of the things that I need to, to make sure that I stay involved in is the conversations about what are minimum safe practices and what are safer 
practices that you can kind of grow on that foundation. So you're going to you're going to be hearing a lot about that over the next couple of weeks and I either apologize or don't apologize depending on uh, what kind of opinion you might have. So let's uh, let's kind of go along the journey together. We're going to have a lot more content about Vegas and conference. So if you have that post Vegas depression, don't worry. I'm going to be able to give you your fix over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but for now, get back to your shops, get caught up on those emails. Uh, get caught up on your social media, put out that new jewelry, give your gifts to your friends or your loved ones and, and start sharing that information. And uh, let's get into a, a really good conversation with Gus Diamond in Gus We Trust. Uh, okay, so uh, I hit record. So um, we're, we're hanging out in Vegas. We're in my hotel room and I'm with Gus Diamond. And uh, just, just to kind of a really quick thing before I kind of start grilling you on some stuff. Go ahead. Uh, my my first year coming out to conference was 2002, right. and I, I showed up and I didn't know anybody and I was terrified and I just this kid that walked into the I think it was Tropicana at the time right. and I was dragging my bag behind me and just kind of like wide eyed had no idea where I was going or my place in the conference and you were the first person that walked right up to me. And asked me if I needed help and if I knew where I was going. And I've never forgotten that, that like someone who was your experience level and your, your place in the industry, that you're always so helpful to everybody and especially the people that seem like terrified to be here. Right on. I was, uh, yeah, I kind of can spot the person that's kind of looking around and not sure where they're going. And it's, if I can help. I can guide him in the right direction. Yeah, you so. always do. And Gus, we trust. Thank you. So uh, before we kind of get into it, you know, say who you are and any sort of, if there's any sort of online information, any of that stuff that you want people to know so they can find you, social media or any of that stuff. I'm Gus Diamond. I live in South Florida, um, kind of semi-retired from piercing. Um, you find me on Facebook, Gus Diamond. So got my picture on there, but that's the best way to find me. Yeah. That's, yeah. Facebook is like it's weird you love it and you yeah. hate it but it's how you stay in touch with most right. of your friends and that's all I have I don't have Instagram mm -hmm. or Twitter or any of that yeah. so face, Facebook is where I am alright uh, my, my first gut instinct was to just kind of ask you um, about your conference experiences because you've, you've been like a constant basically but so I've been to all of them I wanted to get a, a little bit of background info about you too and like what kind of sparked your interest not just being a piercer but just body piercing in general and all the right. things that kind of brought you into this community right that would back in 89 I joined the Navy and I became a Navy diver Navy divers what they said you got their nipples pierced and they got their dip pierced which is really a frenum piercing but they would use a little gold ring or whatever i grew up in north dallas north of dallas um there was no piercing that i knew of uh, out in the country and whatever it was mostly on the east coast and the west coast that it happened so I would hang out or go to the punk rock clubs and industrial and goth clubs um, from about 86, 87, 88. And um, I met Alan Faulkner hanging out in the punk punk rock club. This is before piercing. Didn't know anything about it. This before joined the Navy, Navy in 89. But um, before that, we were best friends. So joined the Navy. Became a diver, talk, would talk to him on the phone. I said, hey, man, I'm kind of into this piercing thing. And he goes, oh, really? Because he had moved to California. And um, he was like, I'm into it also. But the, he was doing it right. I was doing it wrong. That's where he met Eric Dakota and um, Fakure. And they were doing it the right way. So through the years, that's I, I learned from him when I would go home on leave or um, go back and visit. Um, I was there when he built, uh, or the time when he was building Obscurities in the back of um, a secondhand store called Boomerang. And one, one of the times I was there, I helped him put his um, medical light up in the ceiling. It was a ceiling-mounted um, spotlight yeah, type like thing. Yeah, like full-on, like full surgeon's on, light or surgeon's dentist light or something. The, the yeah. dentist light, yeah. yeah. And... Um, it was they had some uh, beams up there, and it was, we were trying to figure out how we were going to mount it up in there. I said we just go to Home Depot and get some all thread and bend it into a U, mm -hmm. and um, just uh, put some nuts and bolts on it, and um, yeah, we can hang it from the. So we did that, and that's 
I don't remember, 92, 91, 90, I, I don't really remember. It, yeah. was, it was between 90 and 92. Yeah, it definitely brings up like the phrase like small world. Right, yeah. totally. And yeah, it was, and yeah, we've been best friends for many, many years. Wow. Yeah. So when, when did it start to turn into more of a profession for you? Um, as, uh, it, it was more 91, well, I was hack, I was a hack. It was, I was a total hack. Um, I, I would buy my jewelry from um, Gauntlet and I would buy it retail from Gauntlet because I didn't, I was doing this out of the house and it was strictly on Navy divers. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, Gus can do this and Gus. And so it, that's how it started um, for me. Uh, and I would talk to Alan more and kind of get some ideas of how to do it right and mm -hmm. get some tools and stuff like that. Um, didn't get into a shop until I opened my first shop in 94. And um, that's why I was in Hawaii in Waikiki. Um, the Navy had taken me out there. I was still in the Navy, so I opened the shop opened Paragon in 95 um, in Honolulu, which was approximately six blocks away. Mm -hmm. So I had two shops within a walking distance. That's what I wanted. So it was easy to get back and forth between two shops. Yeah, And um, that's where it started, became a member in 96. So, wow. oh, and hearing about APP, um, I was home on leave at visiting Alan and we were in his kitchen on, uh, and he had uh, this stack of paperwork sitting on his counter. And he goes, yeah, that's a new thing that we're trying to get together called the APP. And um, it's a new organization. And I went out to California, Had there were some meetings. Cool. And um, this was before the first meeting in 96. So yeah. it was two years before that. And um, it was really cool to see the growth and be there you know even yeah. living in hawaii there was no internet and there was no it was you were talking to people on the phone mm -hmm. or fax machines so yeah or like newsletters newsletters yeah. exactly or yeah yeah that totally totally wow. so when you kind of started to see the app grow and they they got to a point where maybe that initial era of infighting had started to subside a little bit and they kind of started to say like, okay, our mission is education. We're going to try to put on an event. Uh, what was it like going to something like the first conference? So the first conference, um, I flew in from Hawaii. Um, it was variant. I know what the first time attendees feel like because there was maybe... They want to say there was 300 people at this first one. I don't, I maybe, maybe 150 people. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't remember that many people. And it was, it, like you said, your first one was at the Tropicana. Mm -hmm. That's where the first one was back then. And it was a one, not even a one day, it was a meeting. Mm -hmm. It was a meeting. And I remember when we went back, it was like, wait, this is where it all began. I forgot the name of the, the, the each room had its name. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is the room we were in. And I remember it was a, such a trigger moment. Wow. And I was like, that was that was really cool to, to do that. But it was really cool to meet a lot of people from all around the country that were interested in um, um, furthering or bettering the industry. Yeah, And that's... Truthfully, that's what the first three years were. Yeah. Just first. people figuring out that there were other people to talk to. Right. And it was just those people. Yeah. Now, 99, it all changed. Mm -hmm. That's the fourth year. Fourth year was when, that's when it became a party. Okay. Not that we didn't party before, but yeah. we were there more for learning and yeah. more for networking. Then and it more, became more of like a more of a destination for destination piercer hangs. Piercer, exactly. Yeah. They they didn't know about it the first three years. Yeah, and then it's because oh, all my friends are going to be in Vegas to, for this get together, and that's when that happened. Mm -hmm. and, but it it's growing pains, and it, there was no way to avoid it. Sure, and it's amazing where it is now. Mm-hmm. So. I, especially in a city like this, that makes it so easy right. for a party to get way out of control. Right. Well, yeah. but we did try to, um, the second year we went to Orlando. Mm -hmm. And Orlando, it wasn't just, it, I think it was a couple meetings we had, but um, it was in the same room. Um, but 
the town kind of shut down at 6 p.m. And the hotel bar shut down at 10. Oh, yeah. So it was like... Not adequate. No, it was not going to work yeah, for us. So right. we tried that. That's why we came back to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of we kind of grew into Vegas and Vegas grew into us. It mm -hmm. was like we didn't know, you know, everybody wants to go to a different city or would like to. Um, it's just right now we're kind of locked into here because of logistics. Yeah. yeah. I remember the the last time this process came up, right. I was on the board, right. you know, and I had always heard of the the groans of like we right. we get it, but just please anywhere other than Las Vegas, right? And I remember going into that that process, you know, two years ago, something like that, right? right. Uh, everybody was going into that process of let's find an alternative to right. Vegas somewhere, right? And we looked at Portland, and we looked at this city and that city, New, and New, Orleans, New Orleans, Chicago, right? All the other other big cities yep. that would would be able to handle yeah. a good convention. Hired professionals right. to like do research and sent out people is like basically scouting different hotels and cities and things like that. Right. All the work, and then through the end of that entire process, we basically determined like it has to be in Las Vegas, right. really, for travel and accessibility and cost effectiveness yeah. and logistics. Yeah. And and because it's been here 24 years, after a few years, people figure out they keep most of their a lot of their booths and stuff here mm -hmm. in a warehouse. They so they're not doing the shipping across the country or shipping it each time. Yeah. So yeah, I can understand how it's kind of holding us or mm -hmm. it's kind of it's part of it and it's going to cost a lot of money to move it yeah for, yeah. for all, everybody right and it's difficult to find facilities that are large enough um and that there's something else to do when you're there right. not that everybody gets out and does things right. but if you want to see a show you want to have a nice dinner you have plenty of options plenty here options. Uh, if we do another city we might have one great host hotel right. but that might be all we have right and the distance to the other entertainment mm -hmm. is um would be too great or too far right so and then there's the whole thing about well yeah but the cost of conference is going to cost you a thousand dollars and right. each night in a hotel is going to be 250 dollars, and all those prices just explode right unless you're in a city that's built for, for tourists from anywhere in the world and that's what las vegas is yeah like it or hate it mm -hmm. that's that's what what it and that's yeah. why it almost has a hold on us mm -hmm. and yeah. that's where um We've tried the, you know, we tried it that second year and everybody's like, that was so long ago. It's like, well, the cost effectiveness. No, yeah. It's Especially with the rate that conference is growing at, you right. know, now 1,200 or more registered right. attendees. That's amazing. Yeah. And to take, to take something that gigantic and, you know, if we were to maybe move it to, uh, Atlantic city right. or, or another city right. that's just set up for tourists, right. you know, maybe that could work, but right. you know, the cities that are, uh, nicer looking cities they're not, they're not built for what right. we what we need i agree yeah I agree. yeah but i'm just as sick of vegas as everybody else is at right. this point yeah right um i still love it i still love it yeah it's got it, this weird it's, connection it's, for me it, exactly and yeah. i i enjoy coming out for a week out of the year sure and you know and then at the end of it i'm ready to go home mm -hmm. but the freedom to go do a lot of like you said every there's so much to do close and mm -hmm. easy accessible um all the i i enjoy all the options yeah there you go That's, yeah, yeah i i think it's especially nice or bizarre or whatever the mm -hmm. word would be for international attendees that have right. never been to the states before right. for las vegas to be their first experience I was talking to somebody else and said that Las Vegas is about as America as it gets because right. in this the space of two miles you could shoot a gun, eat a right. steak, rent a Lamborghini, yeah, do whatever you want. Totally, see a big, huge production show. Yep. Um, it's all here. Yeah. So, what are some of the things that kind of stick out for you? You know, like you you started coming to these these conferences when it was a couple hundred people who thought that they were kind of alone and then they right. found the other people and now you have it as something like a destination where it's people where you see it online and you know right. exactly what's what's waiting for you and and it's this destination to get there and this like career thing that you have to kind of tick off your list right. for, for a lot of piercers so right. what what's it been like like watching that kind of growth um it's been amazing for me 
the the trance or the 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 when it, it um what's the word I'm looking for it the transformation is after I was leaving Hawaii um, in 2000 or uh, I sold Paragon in 2001 um, and so I was at my other shop from 2001 to 2003 2003-3 I left um, left the island so I basically walked away from my, my first shop I had a partner and just left it to her and just went went away. I was planning on piercing in Florida. That's where we were moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the shops down there where nothing was up to standard. Mm-hmm. I was kind of burnt out yeah. and I wasn't going to build another shop and I didn't want to go into a shop that did. I wasn't going to lower my standards to to work in a shop. Mm-hmm. So that year, two thousand three, when I, I came back to conference and. I wasn't going to miss conference. I this is my one time a year to see a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of family. You know, we've got. Uh, you know, this is a one time a year I get to see them. So this is how I did this. Um, I didn't get a con- I didn't get a ticket. To, I didn't buy a ticket to conference. I just came. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, how am I going to do? I, I'm not going to take any classes because I'm not really at a shop right now. I don't want to pay all this money, mm. but I want to, what can I do to help? So I kind of looked around and I'm watching, this is um, Caitlin's first year. Wow. So, and everybody knew me. So, hey Gus, how mm-hmm. you doing? So I'm looking, I'm looking for a way in. Yeah. I'm trying to see how I can sneak into mm-hmm. this thing. And then I saw they were trying to get AV, the projectors and the laptops and they were having trouble. I said, I can help you with that. Yeah. So I scooped them up and then I was team av i took it upon myself and i figured out the schedule and i i had the three projectors and the three laptops and i would set them up in the rooms and break them down by myself yeah so got a badge got my badge and um yeah that that doesn't work nowadays no you you can't you can't do that but back then you could right because the volunteer army didn't really didn't exist right um Caitlin had just started, mm-hmm. so that was her first year, and that was um, my first year of not um, buying or coming to conference to go to classes. Yeah, and it just I became part of the volunteer team, mm-hmm. and um, um, so my interest shifted from learn you know i would go to it would still keep up on my cpr and because it was offered and i would do that here cpr and first aid um but it was more of hanging seeing my friends and okay how do i help run this thing because mm-hmm. i know they need bodies i know they need help um with the volunteer or volunteering so yeah. i stuck with av it was like okay this is what i do um can help you and the, now AV has grown into at a time that I had four people working with me, yeah. which I look back at 2003. I did it all by myself, and then um, there was uh, the next year I had Pierre help me. He was um, OG um, AV, so and then we had a couple other people, but then it turned into a whole team. Now um, the team has there's four of them, and I've moved on to a general manager. So. Yeah. So I kind of worked my way up into more obligations. So, but it's all good. I yeah. enjoy, I totally enjoy it. I enjoy helping and um, um, seeing the people I get to see once a year. So. I mean, there there'd be really there'd be no way for a conference to exist without people like you who are doing it because they they love the industry and right. they want everything to succeed. Right. Uh, I think that's part of what what makes something like this so special because you can go to other like big conventions and conferences. Maybe they have some volunteers, right. but you know, they they've got staff doing right. stuff and I I think the fact that there are so many people here that are doing it for little or no compensation. Right. Um and they they're doing it just love of the game. Totally. Basically. Yeah. Totally and um and without the volunteers it wouldn't happen and it couldn't yeah. it couldn't happen yeah so it because of the cost it would, mm-hmm. it would, um it's and it's it's amazing to watch some of the first year volunteers come in or the aldi scholars mm-hmm. and they um watching them and then four or five years later 
they're board members. Right. And yeah. that is amazing to see mm -hmm. the growth and um, the new faces and the new blood coming in. And um, now some of the Aldis are ex-board members, which, yeah, it's incredible to see and incredible yeah. to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. And you've seen, you know, the rise and hopefully not too many falls, right. but you've, you've seen The ebbs and flows. Yeah. 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 Huge so, things. Um. I lost it. What was I was going to, um, yeah. Um, I started out as a volunteer and now I'm on the conference committee. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do hard work or you, you really put your time in and, and, and understand what you're doing and owning it. Then you, you know, there's a place yeah. there's a, and there's a need definitely. So if you can think back kind of generation to generation of piercers, you know, right. the, the BME kids right. and then the Facebook kids right. and the gauntlet kids and all, all that stuff. What have, what have been some of your like favorite trends that you've seen in the industry? Favorite trends, favorite trends or favorite groups or just eras of, of the industry. Like what jumps out at you? I mean, with having that much experience, you know, 20 plus years of, right. of conference and seeing essentially the whole industry when they show up. It, it's, I don't really look at it like that. I it's more for conference. It's more of the the rib years or the valley years or yeah. the or the hard rock years mm -hmm. or where we've been. Um, after going to the rib for six years, most of those years all run together. It was yeah. six years. It's just splash bar. It was splash bar. Yeah, and you forget. Okay, did that happen this year? Mm -hmm. That year or when? But it was. It was amazing times, and then Bala is is went eight or not eight years. Was it eight years? I think it was an eight year run. Oh jeez, I'll yeah. have to look that up, or we'll have to figure that out. But um, yeah, it was a, that was the longest run, and the years start running together, and you you uh, when did that happen again? It happened during the Bala years. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember which hotel, but right, I couldn't tell you which year exactly. Yeah. And, um, it, it's just interesting to watch the, it, I don't know, um, it, when social media, you know, 2002 was for me, it may have started earlier, but um, that was BME time. Mm -hmm. That was the um, BME age. And then it shifted. Facebook crushed everything. everything. Right. Every any other page you had or yeah. whatever, you may still go there, but it's a ghost town. Mm -hmm. Or you may have a handful of MySpace, people, Tumblr, MySpace, uh, yeah. all that. And you know now you got Twitter and stuff. But no, mm -hmm. Facebook kind of. There's other alternatives, but then tr people are trying to do other alternatives. But um, Facebook still got a. It has a grip on me. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. It's like I haven't found yeah. anything else. It's like that, the black hole in yeah. the center of the piercing and, universe. And there's really no reason to leave it because you have groups within Facebook. Mm -hmm. You have the BME, the BMI, I am BME group on yep. Facebook, mm -hmm. and you have the you know the the conference Facebook page, mm -hmm. conference att attendees, and then I have the the volunteer support group yep. one. So there's so many subgroups within that. Mm -hmm. It's like um that's how you keep up with everything or whatever it's um i remember the first stuff it was telephones and fax machines and there was no and going to the hard rock or i remember 98 the that 98 was my favorite year yeah 98 was it was still just us mm -hmm. before 90 99 was at the hard rock also but that's when it all turned um that's when a lot of people gambled, and we took over the whole casino. Really, it was amazing. People at tables and shooting craps and playing blackjack, and we we'd go out here and there and um, go take over the pool. Um, that was that was fun. Mm. That was um, I was young. We were younger, yeah. A bit. <laughs> so, but um, meeting Pat Pruitt for the first time, Custom Steel, mm -hmm. Alan turned me on to him. He goes, oh yeah, there's a guy here in Dallas because he went to um, SMU. I think he just got out of college or was still going to college and he was making uh, jewelry in his garage or whatever. So that's how I found out about Custom Steel was mm -hmm. through Alan and we, I would talk to Pat weekly 
on the phone. Yeah. It was like, hey, make an order. You would call, phone in your order, or you would fax. I didn't really use my, it was mostly talking on the phone. And I was in Hawaii, so I had to remember the time zones are, can be five and six hours. Sure. I'm yeah. behind. So, 98, meeting these people for the first time, seeing, actually seeing what they, you knew their voice, mm-hmm. but you didn't know what they looked like. Yeah. There was no internet to look it up. Yeah. And there were none of that. So, that was amazing to um, actually get to f- finally meet some of these people that you, you've interacted with for many years. Yeah. And, um, first time to get to see them yeah now now i think with the internet you get kind of saturated with people sure. even if you don't know right. them well you feel like you know them because you see their life right on you, the internet you, right you can go to their page and they have albums of pictures yeah. and, or they make their posts i'm going here mm-hmm. having this you can see what they had for dinner last night yeah, yeah yeah so i definitely remember though you know back when i was my main exposure for a while was books and magazines right and i would see the so, same names pop up all right. over the place and then when i went out to, to vegas for the first time i saw all these people that looked the way i hoped to look one day kind of stuff you know right. and and then through talking they'd be like oh i'm this person i'd be like Oh, you're that person? I read your articles in Tattoo Savage and this right. and that. And just like connecting with all those people and putting names to faces and all that stuff. It was really That's amazing. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the in the print magazines and stuff like that, you know, Jim Warden Facure and the Gauntlet crew would I I'm gonna consider them like first tier mm-hmm. industry people. Yeah. I may be missing somebody, but that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm maybe second or third tier. Yeah. So, because, like I said, I was grew up in the Midwest, or north of Dallas. There wasn't piercing, or where I was, there wasn't. Yeah. Slow and to build you, a scene there. Right. Yeah. And it was all on the West Coast or East Coast. Um, So... You know, me getting, you know, I remember the first time I saw PA was in New Orleans. I was already in the Navy mm-hmm. going through dive school in Panama City. We drove to New Orleans a week before Mardi Gras. And I went into a leather shop and there was a postcard and dude had a PA. It was a, po- a picture of a PA. I'm like, what in the fuck is that? Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm like, whoa, you know. And then that's after that started talking to Alan, mm-hmm. and he's doing piercing, and then it, then it all began to make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, we we weren't exposed to. So I would say second or third tier kind of. I was in before the wave. Yeah. The wave was Paul King piercing Alicia Silverstone on um, the Aerosmith video. Yeah. So yeah. that was the wave. Mm-hmm. Before, I remember that crashing right over me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were if you were in the industry, you were caught up in this thing. Mm-hmm. It was you. You better hold on because you're going for a ride. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then after that, then there would be the next generation. And I don't. I wouldn't know where we are. We we're many generations down. Mm-hmm. I know what well, what's been going on for uh, conferences have been going on for 24 years. So if you go to the to the orientation class and you ask somebody how many people in here are 24 years old and they raise their hands, it was what well, you were being born the mm-hmm. first time we had this. So yeah. and we have many people under that age. Mm-hmm. So there's people that don't even know the even if the, they don't even know the world without the APP. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's been a, pretty much a constant for me. Uh, you know, I. Right started piercing in like the late 90s and okay. when i started to get into it uh the app was was already this entity right you know and so, it was like yeah like that's what i would right. as- aspire to or actually you know what honestly in, in the beginning it, it wasn't something i was trying to aspire to because i was on the outside and i was like okay well there's gauntlet and there's bme right. and there's right. app and like you know where where do i want to kind of start to lean right and then it just seemed like the app had its own gravity and it would just mm-hmm. pull ev- everything in because right. it really is the central hub of an entire industry and totally. an entire like community and lifestyle totally too. yeah it's um and that in everybody's you know the app the app it it start it's it may have started as a gauntlet and a secure thing, or there, there was that battle between that the camps and this and that. But it's a group of people trying to better the industry, mm-hmm. 
And when you're talking about APP, this and that, no, you're talking about a group of people um, trying, it's not a thing, it's people. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like it or hate it, it's grown into something mm-hmm. that it had growing pains. There's growing pains with everything and it's it's gone through those growing pains. Also. Oh yeah, definitely. So and now it's the daddy for a whole bunch of people's right piercing it, careers. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. What have been some of like the uh, the really big wow moments for someone with a, a piercing career that long? You know, because there there are certain things that stick out for me, and I have a, a much shorter piercing career. Mm-hmm. You know, things like the. Uh, the rise of things like the statum right. or like the the explosion of gold jewelry and, and the industry being so focused on the jewelry and right. a little bit less about the act of piercing, you know, as um, time goes. I had already kind of stepped out when the um, single point piercing mm-hmm. came into play. But I was there when it all went down mm-hmm. and... I'm not going to fully get into it, but um, Pat Pruitt definitely made the first prototype and definitely I remember had, seeing it online. And having it out. Well, no, this is before it was online. Oh, okay. This was before, and he was bringing it to conference on the down low, mm-hmm. was going to do it, and that's where he messed up because he kept it on the down low. And one week, week later, one week after conference, somebody else was making them. Mm. And that's when... Yeah, it was who made it first, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. And, um, now I, rem- I, I know who made it first, and Pat Pruitt had it. I had actually physically saw it first, and but watching that, um, what, what are you going to call it—a dermal anchor or a uh, single point piercing, or figuring out the name to call it—and mm-hmm. watching that progress, you know, um, watching. Um, figuring out the new, uh, new and better ways to do procedures, and yeah. um, watching the APP kind of embra- embrace, you know, teaching some of this in class or um, putting out the information mm-hmm. of finding and when you find something better um, or an alternative, um, putting out that information. Yeah. So. Were, were Were there any things that you can that you can kind of recall from the years? Whether it was just the mood it created at conference or otherwise things that were um, like hot button items like when people started saying sterile gloves everybody's got to be using sterile right. gloves or things like technicare right. like appropriate or inappropriate right. conversations like that yeah right. well you know back then well the back in the beginning it was I remember it was Hibiclens. They suggested Hibiclens and well, because you had a gauntlet video mm-hmm. that had this in it, and Hibiclens and Bactine, and yep. you know that's where it started. And good or bad or indifferent or whatever, that's was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I find it amazing when people say, "Oh, I never suggested that," or "I always used curved barbells." I remember a time when there wasn't a curved barbell, mm-hmm. so I, yeah. So that means you haven't been doing it that long. Yeah. Or well, now it, now you can't say that. But it was amazing to hear that. And it's like, no, I, I, suggest, yeah, I suggested Hippoclens. And I said, because that's what we were told. And, Bactine? And I, Bact- I, I, every person, it was, oh, make sure you go get your Bactine right, and Q-tips. Right. And, or Listerine every time you put anything in your mouth besides water. Sure. And the, that was what it was. Mm-hmm. And that is where... I'm sure it would have happened without the APP, with the internet, mm-hmm. but see, APP came before the internet. Yeah. So I don't know what it would have been like if the internet came first. Mm. So that could really change the dynamics. Yeah. And it, it um, but it is what it is and we move forward and it's, it's about sharing information and it's about um, bettering the industry. You know, you don't, you don't suggest um, Hippoclins anymore. You don't suggest Bactine. And where we are now is leaps and bounds where, from where we came. Yeah. And where we are now is not the end. There's going to be better things in going forward. Right. So, right. That's what I believe. What are some of the things that you think you'd want to see for the future of conference, the APP, the overall industry? Is there anything that you you would like to see either become standard or something that you would want to see 
come back that's maybe gone away? No, I having stepped away from the industry, um, kind of kind of semi-retired. So I'm I'm not a shop owner. I'm not really in the trenches now. Um, I would like to see and actually looking at it this is such a hot button issue and i know it's not and here we go i'm going down this <laughs> rabbit hole so um about minimum standards mm -hmm. i believe it's a mistake to make your minimum standard the maximum right because right. they don't you don't do you you can personally but as an industry mm -hmm. You really need to have your minimum standard at the entry minimum. level. Yeah. Entry level. Yeah. Now, wherever that is, mm -hmm. well, let's say it's a scale one to ten. Yeah. Let's say five is your. That's your minimum standard. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're doing a six, that doesn't mean you're doing crap. Yeah. And it's crap. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is to you because you're doing ten. Mm -hmm. If ten is available. Right. There's nobody looking at that line. Mm -hmm. Of where that five is, I was looking for sure. Okay, yeah. no, but I'm oh, yeah. saying, oh no, no, I, I get I'm it. saying as an industry, and that's oh, totally, what, yeah. Everybody's focused. You find the best of the best of the best, mm -hmm. and then you make that the minimum standard. It's yeah. like sterile gloves. It's the best of the best. So this is what we should do. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, that doesn't. It, this is better. I agree, but it doesn't make that unsafe. Sure. So sure. that is where. I would like to see more um, emphasis or more um, focus, and in the in every ways, I don't want to lower our standards. Yeah, no one's saying you have to. Right, and that's it, it's not lowering the standard. Mm -hmm. You already know what the best is, and the best may not be the best ten years down the road. You sure. may find even a better one. Absolutely, it was like when titanium came out. When I started, there was no titanium jewelry. Just everything was steel. Or gold. Everything was steel yeah. or gold, yeah. and. Um, so titanium came out, that's a superior product. So does that make um, stainless steel uh, crap, garbage? No, but that's better. Mm -hmm. So some people would go all titanium shot, great. But see, the, there's certain things that um, would get put in the category of crap that shouldn't be there. It should, it should be acceptable or... Mm. Um, Maybe not. Uh, it should be an option, but it shouldn't be thrown in the the crap sure. category. Yeah, because yeah, you found something better. Using the whole one to ten run, is, run is to a 10, great is a great way right. to to phrase it because that's kind of the the way that I go into teaching classes and uh, the way that I the way that I teach classes now is basically I remember being the person sitting in the back of the right. class and feeling like everything I was doing was going to kill my clients, you know, right. like I was the worst piercer right. in the world. And like, and I, and I think classes should be inspiring people to say, right. all right, like I see a goal down the road that I want to get to, right. but I understand that what I'm doing is also safe and I can make these little improvements and gradual totally. change. But a lot of classes, and I think this is Maybe in that era where APP was kind of tagged as like, oh, you're all the elitists. It's right. the cool kids club. You right. you you want to you want to invite people to get their money, but you don't really want them to be part of your club. Totally. I I, I did feel that, and mm -hmm. I and I definitely empathize with people that still feel that. Uh, and there were a lot of classes that were kind of shock tactics and scaring you into doing right. it the way that they wanted you to do it without really explaining why you should maybe be doing it that way totally so now a lot of times when i teach classes i try to teach classes going into it saying um you might not be able to do best practices tomorrow but right. you can definitely do something safer right and even if it's just shuffling around what you already have in your studio just understanding something like cross-contamination totally. is going to make you a much safer piercer than if you're just using sterile gloves the wrong way right and that that's always been a huge sticking point for me and that's something that i'll i'll go down defending you know right. the way i teach classes the way i put together the way i do outreach and all that stuff is very based on the fact that i was the piercer that was super intimidated by some of that information and some of the standards that were maybe presented as minimum when it was really more like best practices right built on a foundation of starting with minimum standards so i was there when we voted to 
go internally through. I was there when it was all, I watched um, the big companies um, decide on the uh, industry standard, I guess you would say, in, internally threaded threading. Mm. And they all said, yeah, we're going to do the same thing, which yeah. was amazing. Right. Which, so you can, the parts were interchangeable. At, before that, they weren't. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember there was, I remember when we said, yeah, internally threatened, we would just raise our hands and there was a vote and that's how it happened. Hmm. And um, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's throwing stuff into the crap section that really didn't need to be there. Right. It, because it doesn't really do anyone any, any benefit. If right. you, if you take someone like any piercer that takes the time to take a week off of work, right. pay for a plane ticket and a hotel and our conference right. come to conference. The last thing that I would want any attendee ever getting is this like air of what you're doing is, is wrong. You right. can, you can definitely say, there's a better way to do it. Right. We're going to show you how and we want to right. help you get there. But to kind of like dash someone's enthusiasm and to kind of put yourself on a pedestal without offering that hand to pull someone up with you, it, it doesn't make any sense at right. all. Right. Yeah. Okay. You getting the tidal wave of messages? No, it was just girlfriend. Oh, okay. No, I just wanted to turn it down oh, so okay. it won't make that popping sound. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm like missing out on all my notifications because I never put any sounds right. on because it's like you don't want it coming right. off in a class or anything. Uh, I, I think the industry is 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 kind of better now. It, it feels a lot more inclusive now than exclusive. Uh, I know that there's still a lot of work to do, and I know that there are probably people that are staying at home because they don't, you know, they don't want to deal with the the asshole APP people or anything like that. But right. I I've definitely seen um, like what the APP was to me is not what the APP is to me now. You know, it, it doesn't seem like this unobtainable goal. Now that I'm on the inside, and you know I, I'm a privileged individual within the organization, right? So I'm going to see it different than someone that has no uh, access to it. But uh, it feels very inclusive, and it feels like such a good time to be someone falling in love with body piercing because you have all this access. You have like the keys to the kingdom are like almost tossed to you if you want. Totally, yeah. And where we were building it, it's still being built, but the first few were even before the the first conference mm -hmm. there was that was even more of a handful of people that were joining together with the vision of bettering the industry yeah and that's what i bought into when i became or i was like i want to be one of those people mm -hmm. that um are helping push forward yeah and um for good or bad some of it has gone I believe too far to one direction mm -hmm. it, where you're and I being a shop owner that's what you want to do you want to be the best of the best of the best yeah and the vision of the minimum standard has been lost mm -hmm. because you're not doing anybody any favor you're not doing your industry justice by putting the minimum at the maximum. Yeah. Because then you then you make then it... Then you become elitist. You do. And you make it almost impossible to for attain. someone to really enter in right. and feel like they're they're doing something appropriate. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. It's like it would be, you can't drive a Toyota. You have to buy a Rolls Royce. Right. And right. Toyotas a, would be a fine, okay for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But... You have no. You have to buy the best, right? So yeah, it, I'm trying to make some analogies or whatever. But that's I. Um, I wish that could come around, and it's not about getting our numbers up, but it would be more inclusive mm -hmm. of uh, for the because we are speaking for the industry, and when um, you, when you're speaking for the industry and you're setting the bar so high, you're not you're not being inclusive. To, yeah, to you're, some of the you're shutting that, too many doors. Too, totally. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's it's really noticeable when you go to 
uh, conferences outside of the U.S. Right. Uh, I went to LBP, and I was a, a really ineffective instructor because uh, they, they wanted me to do a class on, you know, how do you institute change in your studio? And I was going into it thinking like, well, sometimes you have to decide between buying your second right. statum and, and buying your, your hydrum, right. you know, things like that. And it was like, I'm completely tone deaf, you know, to people who are, they're, they're still pushing really hard and they're working as, as good as they can. But right. if you tell them like, oh yeah, and you need this and you need this, and it's essentially impossible for them to get it, you can't try to make them feel like they're not good and safe and professional and leaders in their community. Right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as far as this year, um, you know, the, the 24th conference, what would have been some of the highlights of the week for you? Do you, do you have time to take any classes or go to talk APPs or anything? At this point, no, I, I could go to, I, I went, I walked through the Fakure Memorial. Mm -hmm. Um, um, mainly it's figuring out the new hotel so I can help the new attendees figure out where they're going Ugh, yeah. so I have to be trying to be one step ahead yeah and um, because if it's like I don't know where you're going so we're all lost yeah. so <laughs> yeah. figuring out the new hotel um, this new space um, that's pretty much um, I'm excited for the new um raffle if you want to call it that the yeah the silent auction, silent auction. It, it seems like it's been a big hit right. this year right and that's what i've heard and um it's there's a few tweaks probably going to be made next year mm -hmm. but um uh for for the most part it's been very positive yeah so so next year is going to be a big one the 25th right. anniversary correct is there anything that you think you'd want to see incorporated into that? Like maybe trying to invite back some faces that haven't been in years or some sort of in a, you know, a, a theme for the education or a speech or anything like that? Um, I'm sure something like that will happen and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it would be great to see uh, some of the older faces that haven't been here. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's another reason. I, that's the reason I come is to see people I haven't seen in a long time. Right. And it's really great to see people that haven't been here for years mm -hmm. and to come back and the talk story about the original ones. And yeah. So, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, um, yeah 25 years. It's nuts. Thinking <laughs> it's about crazy, it. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out of your... Thank you for having me. Out of your volunteer schedule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything else you want to uh, tell any piercers listening or anything you want people to know to find you online, any of that no. stuff? If if you haven't come, come. It's well worth it. It's It can be intimidating. Um, but once you jump in and do it, it's it's a good thing. Yeah. Totally. Great. There's plenty of people here to help. Yeah. And and you're one of the best. Yeah, so do what I can. If you haven't heard it yet today, thanks yeah. for everything no. that you've done for everybody, thanks. myself included. It right. really meant a lot to me that <laughs> uh, you know one of the one of the the cool kids would come right. up and talk to one of the not cool kids. So oh, I appreciate. I, it. I that's one of my favorite. Now that's one of my favorite things to do. It, it, back then, you didn't have the little ribbon. We have the ribbons, and the pink ribbon is the first timer, mm -hmm. and that. Is an when I see that ribbon yeah. that I know that is one of the person I'm going to go talk to for sure. Yeah, just just to check in and make mm -hmm. sure they're okay, finding their classes okay. Is it what they expected? Mm -hmm. Fill out the survey. If you hear, do the survey. The good, the bad. We want, we need it all. And mm -hmm. there's lots of eyes that'll be on that, and it helps. Um, mold the 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 conference going forward mm -hmm. we know what works we know what doesn't work or yeah. i've or, seen it i've seen a huge amount of improvements just from paying attention to right. the, the criticism yeah totally yeah awesome cool all right okay. well let's go uh back to conference yeah cool. thank you 
What a cool guy, really. I mean, Gus is just one of those awesome figures where he's he's like the constant. If you watch Lost, uh, he's the constant. He's always there, he's always helpful, and he just wants to contribute. He doesn't really ask for anything back, and it just it's so amazing seeing someone like that who keeps their passion and their love for this industry going, even when they're not a, a full-time body piercer anymore. Um, sometimes you really just can't put your finger on it, but you're connected to body piercing. It's it's a love in your life, and you have to you have to share that love and, and pass it on to the next generation. And Gus is really just an awesome person. So thank you, Gus, for for everything you've done for for me and for body piercing as a whole. I am going to attempt to uh, ease back into my life and into my shop. Uh, I'm going to start editing these podcasts together. I'm really psyched. I'm really just going to keep things going. Uh, there are going to be some some changes. I, I'm really, I'm still playing catch up. I'm going to record uh, whatever episode, or not record, edit whatever episode is going to be going up next week. I'll be doing that over the next few days, and I'm going to start talking about my classes again and, you know, promoting all that stuff, slinging shirts and all that. Uh, I started a Patreon page for the podcast and I really want to start uh, putting out some bonus and like I don't get enough stuff out there but I want to put some more bonus stuff out for the Patreon followers and I want to say a a few thanks to the people who are supporting the show and that'll all start coming in uh, next week so I I just want to say keep listening Uh, I'm going to keep this show going for you uh, once a week ad free Uh, I love body piercing I I don't need to turn this into uh, income for myself but, uh, you know, the Patreon stuff definitely helps make it a little bit easier to, to put this stuff out there. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for coming to conference. Thank you for talking to me if you were there. If you didn't, try to get out there next year. If you need a hand to get there, send me an email, ryanpba.gmail.com. Uh, I can help steer you towards a, a scholarship or I can maybe give you some pointers on how to save up for it or how to get the most out of conference on a budget, anything like that. So I want to see everybody in the world in Vegas next year for the 25th anniversary of our our APP conference. Uh, but for now, <sighs> I'm going to just wind it down and get back to reality. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.